Welcome to Talking New Energy, a podcast from LCP Delta. I'm John Sloan. And I'm Sandra Trittin. And together we are exploring how the energy transition is unfolding across Europe through conversations with guests from the leading edge of the transition. Hello, and welcome to the episode. Sandra, we've talked about your heat pump. We've talked about my heat pump. I haven't asked you, have you got solar panels, battery? Uh, e- well, I know you've got an EV charger because you were off to get your new uh, electric vehicle the other day. Yes. So actually, so so finally we have the charger. We also have the, we also have the car that arrived. And uh, yeah, for sure. Now the question comes if we should also um, have PV on the roof, which is on our side a bit more of a sizing question and if it's worth it in terms of uh, production capacity. But yeah, the the question comes and I think uh, in the end we, we will go for it. Um, but now the big question will be on how to align all the different systems with each other, right? And how to integrate them and not ending up with like five different apps on your phone that you need to optimize and to check and monitor how about you i'm in that situation i've got (laughs) um ev charger i've got my hybrid heat pump uh solar on my roof don't have a battery because when i put solar in it was i don't think really worth it and very expensive um but i don't yet have my smart meter working i've got a smart meter it's not communicating so i've definitely not at the stage where it's all integrated but I think today I'm really interested in the conversation we've got lined up because more and more people are going to do what you, have, you and I have done, is have peat uh, pumps, EV chargers, solar panels, batteries, air conditioners, other things in their homes. And we talk a lot in the electricity sector about electrification, but probably very guilty of not thinking in a very customer-centric way about how customers are going to buy these devices. Yeah, and I think there are there are different options, right, that you see at the moment on the market or two different streams that are arising. So one stream is that uh, one-stop shop where a customer can get everything out of one hand. Then but then you are a bit let's say bounded in that in that ecosystem or you do it the way that we both did it, right? You go step by step, but then you still have the challenge on how you bring everything together and working together. So that will be interesting to explore, right? Yeah, and the one-stop shop could mean buying everything at once, or it could mean buying it bit by bit, yeah. but from the same from the same place. Um, well, shall we get into the discussion and introduce our guests? Yes. So uh, today we have we have two guests, and I would like to introduce uh, Leonardo Melo. He's working in the B two B development um, with uh, Samsung. So welcome, Leonardo. And would be great if you could give us a quick elevator pitch of what you're doing exactly at Samsung. Yes. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here after listening to the podcast for so many times. Uh, So I work at Samsung Electronics Air Conditioner Conditioner Europe. That's the, um, let's say, European headquarters of the HVAC operations in Europe. And there I work in the business development team. And in our team, we focus on an array of, uh, of, let's say, activities that range from developing partnerships to developing new business opportunities across verticals to expand our uh, footprint, of course. And I, I particularly am uh, uh, very interested in the energy transition and everything pertaining to IoT. And therefore, I take a very strong focus in my job in, 
the topics that we're going to talk about today, uh, integrating uh, SMA within our portfolio, integrating other partners, and how can we leverage more value for our end users, uh, which are buying our products and want to save energy, of course. Great to have you here. Our second guest is Clara Otterson, a colleague and LCP Delta expert with a focus on the propositions in the heating market. Hello, Clara. Hi, guys. How are you doing? Clara, can we start with your take on one-stop shops? Now, one-stop shops are sort of easy words, but um, how do you describe exactly what what is a one-stop shop or how break that down a bit when it comes to one-stop shops and decarbonizing homes? Yeah. So like you said, easy words, maybe not uh, as easy of a definition. Um, we see one-stop shop being kind of different types of companies, um, not just one type, not just energy retailers or just specialists. But the two things that they have in common is that, first of all, they provide uh, a wide range of different energy technologies often including heat pumps or another heating appliance, solar panels, battery, uh, home energy management systems, and EV chargers are kind of the standard ones. The second thing is that the one-stop shop assures that all of the components that they sell, whether that's to a wholesaler or an installer or directly to the customer, are compatible with each other and therefore guaranteeing interoperability uh, between these products. Okay. And you've got a couple of examples to bring it to life for our listeners. Yes, definitely. So, uh, of course, energy retailers are increasingly becoming one-stop shops. Companies like like Eon, uh, Octopus are just uh, a few examples. But then we also have um, kind of the big HVAC uh, heating manufacturers like Beesman and Valent, who, who basically have all of these, almost all of these um technologies in-house and then also of course uh, manufacturers like Samsung who are partnering with manufacturers of, of PV technologies and, or other technologies as well. So um, but then Leonardo how, how do you see it from your personal perspective right? Are the one-stop shops the, the future or are there different ways on how the consumer will end up with all the equipment in the home? Good uh, question Sandra. Well, I think one-stop shops are definitely something that came to overcome some market failures, right? Because as we need to install more and more heat pumps with the current installer network that, uh, that exists in Europe, we, it's going to be very hard to achieve this, right? So I think the beauty of one-stop shops at the moment is being able to also bring installers from different uh, specialties into the, I would call, into the home energy uh, systems. And by then, um, making it uh, making it uh, accessible for more people to have heat pumps. Me, of course, talking from the perspective of heat pumps, I see it as a very good way to also also increase uh, the channels for, in our case, for for an OEM manufacturer, because these these companies bring a lot of innovation in, into the market. So if you see, for example, in the case of one comma five, they, I would say, uh, they empower installers right because uh, if you talk to installers across Europe most of the most of the installers uh, lack a lot of marketing skills or or the skills that uh, they need to approach customers in a more modern way right so nowadays everyone's focused on the internet going on Google searching for things and it's very hard to find talking from my uh, personal experience in the Netherlands also it is not easy to find a huge pool of installers when you need some product, right? So I think it is natural that this happens and this happened in other sectors. Like if you think about uh, car mechanics, for example, 
if I compare my home country, Portugal, where we have a lot of car mechanics everywhere, and if I compare to the Netherlands, where you have a much more consolidated offer with bigger companies acquiring small, smaller players. I've seen it also in Switzerland when I worked in district heating. There was a lot of heating installers and there's phases in the market where consolidation happens. So installers move upwards into bigger organizations. And I think that if the bigger organization is giving them the support they need to carry on their business and to focus on their specialty, yeah, I think that this is great, obviously. And for us as a company, if I would say, it is very interesting because these are new channels that people are, are putting together in very innovative ways. So I think we, we have to explore this. So yeah, we are, of course, I think everyone in the HVAC industry and more with more focus on heat pumps, everyone's very happy that this type of business models are emerging and being extremely successful. So they do come for a reason and in a very timely uh, way. What you're saying about installers is interesting, Leonardo, because we've talked on the podcast before about the challenge of there not being enough installers for the energy transition across Europe. Yeah. And one-stop shops, as you were talking, it, it made me think that one-stop shops are really going to help to drive more efficiency in the installer market because um, installers can then, if they're part of a bigger organization or bigger ecosystem, can really focus on the specific skills that they bring that others can't uh, can't bring. I'm interested what what you will think about that efficiency angle for installers as a benefit of one-stop shops. Well, I can tell you that as a manufacturer, and if you see the current landscape of product development, and also with the current FGAS revision that has pushed manufacturers to release heat pumps on R290, so on propane, uh, what you see is because of that the market is uh, in a very large scale moving towards mono systems. So mono systems are the ones where water is coming out of the outer unit. With that, you already enlarge the scope of installers that can install your product. So whereas in the past you needed to have an FGAS certificate to handle this type of gases that were in, in, uh, more, uh, in more conventional heat pumps or, or airco systems, now you already expand your pool of installation uh, experts to the ones that were dealing with plumbing. So now plumbers can also install heat pumps. And I think that the, the value of the one-stop shop is because they are uh, more focused on PV and battery, more the, um, how to say, electricity experts, by uh, training them. So to upskill this, this labor force into also being able to do the hydraulic part of a energy ecosystem at a customer's home, then this 500 to 750,000 installers that we're missing in Europe, as was pointed uh, two weeks ago in a JRC report, then, I mean, we're sure that with this, we go a step towards in a good direction. I don't know if this is going to be enough or not, because there's a lot of PV installers across Europe that, from our discussions, they are very interested in learning about the plumbing aspects or enlarging their uh, pool of skills to also do plumbing when they visit a customer. By combining things, you also tend to uh, cut costs, right? So if you have the same expert doing two specialties in one go in two or three days, then I think it's best for the end user. I'm always happy when the end user is benefiting from this type of innovations and the goal I think we should all have is to yeah, drive down costs and increase adoption. I think that's 
that's my mantra at least when I try to make my work. <laughs> okay, so we've got the benefit from the installation angle. Let's look at it from the customer perspective. Clara, interested what um, on your thinking on customers? You know, we'll Sandra and I both went down the buy things bit by bit from different installers, different manufacturers, different vendors. But yeah, what's your thinking on how one-stop shops help customers? So yeah, I think there are two main benefits. Um, the first one being that, it, I mean, you both had, I guess, fairly complicated customer journeys. You had to do quite a lot of research <laughs> to find the best, I'm just guessing here, <laughs> to find the best uh, kind of companies to, to, to install that for you. And you were fine to do that because you're interested and you're engaged with your energy. I'd say a large share of the population is not. So to just make the customer journey as easy for the customer as possible, having that one point of contact for them that they can return to when either they have an issue with you know, the appliance that they installed, whether that's PV or heat pump or whatever they start with. But then also that like after a few years down the line, when they're like, oh yeah, I'm really happy with my, my heat pump or my PV system, what else could I get? They return to that first company because they, assuming they've had a good customer experience, so there's quite a big um, requirement for that company to really put a lot of effort into providing a good customer experience because otherwise, of course, they won't return. So the customer journey is the first one. And the second one we've already touched uh, upon. So the the interoperability of, of, of the assets, like Sandra also mentioned at the beginning, once you have all these, let's say, three, four, five different assets in the home, making sure that they all communicate, that they can be optimized, that you know, you're know you getting your most energy uh, efficient consumption and use, that you don't need to have five apps to control everything. Um, that's another thing that I think is really important that one-stop shops can add. So not only making the customer journey to getting the appliance in the home easy, but then once it's there, it should be not complicated as well. But then it would also mean as a customer, I never can step out of it, right? So should, or would you see that, right? Once I want to have a, an appliance added, which might not be available in the ecosystem, I have no chance to, to get that in there, I assume. Yeah, I mean, it's a good point, but I think there's, there's a wider point about interoperability as well, that it, not only within the system, but uh, manufacturers, uh, and I'm sure Leonardo can add some on this as well, but to try and be interoperable with with different providers to allow that flexibility. But then of course, I think it creates a kind of symbiotic relationship between the provider and the customer. So the provider has to do everything that they can to make the customer journey so great that the it's a no-brainer for the customer to stay with them rather than leave. So there's there's more of um of course I forget the word now. So it's not a it's not a lock-in, it's a customer choosing to continue their relationship. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Ah, uh, okay. I guess it would only be a lock-in if there's a contract involved, like if there's a, a kind of finance or as a service contract, but I think that's still to come down the line. But Or it could never work with another product, so you can only choose from a very tight ecosystem of products. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And in some offerings, you do see now that there is leasing forms emerging, right? And uh, sorry, my cat made a visit. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the podcast, Leonardo's yes. cat. Yes. <laughs> hey, what do you think? Uh, I think that, uh, uh, so I think leasing is extremely interesting. So heat as a service or let's say this energy efficiency kind of as a service, right? Putting everything together, bundling, making sure everything talks and uh, giving you one single invoice at the end of the month. That's quite, that's quite attractive. Uh, and 
but yeah, indeed, then you are bound to any type of uh, leasing, right? There is a period and there is a payment that you need to you need to honor, right? And um, yeah, so there is there's drawbacks definitely, but there's also there's also good aspects on it. So I think it depends. And if you see, I think around I think LCP reported around fifty to sixty percent of uh, homeowners would consider to pay upfront, right, for their at least for their heat pump. But when you bundle everything together, the sum gets a bit bigger. So I don't know. Uh, it's an interesting thing to see how this is going to evolve, right? Sandra, you are, you asked the question. What 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 do you think about that risk of sort of even if it's not an actual lock-in, a perceived or semi-lock-in? Well, um, for me personally, I think I would not like to have that lock-in effect. But uh, as Leonardo was saying um, as well, or, or Clara also, we, we are really interested in that topic, right? I, I like to search around and I like to search for the different heat pumps and for the different inverters, etc. And I'm also happy to make that extra step because I'm aware of that. If I would be talking to my mom, I think for her it might be just better to get everything out of one hand and not to take care of anything. And to be honest, I also think that from a technology perspective, and this might be something that the manufacturers do not really like to hear, but you know, there is not really a bad heat pump anymore. For sure, they differentiate in terms of setup, in terms of capacity, in terms of few differentiation factors, but in the end, they all make secure that you have a heated home and you have a hot shower because otherwise no one is going to buy your product. So for my mom, this kind of in-depth differentiation doesn't make a difference. She doesn't care if the heat pump comes from A, B or C. At the end, it's more important what, what it delivers, right? And there, I think this is the main customer segment we are talking to. And so I think they don't perceive that necessarily as a lock-in effect. They might perceive that more as a as a help, as a support to make their life much easier. No, and adding to that, now you also get sometimes your, your energy contract with it. You get your smart meter with it. So everything is a bit like taken care of. Not sure if it really works in that way that always out that, that it's really taken care of until the last end. But I think we are getting there more and more and improving. Yeah, as I read more and more on LinkedIn, this is a funny, it's a funny remark. Uh, heat, but all these things are meant for retired dentists and engineers, right? <laughs> all these very <laughs> expensive uh, product bundles. And I think that they are not like us, Sandra, right? They are not going to check exactly. like, oh, this COP and that COP and this protocol, this Modbus, that goes SG, whatever. They just want something like ease of mind. And yeah. I think one-stop shops cater for that very nicely. Yeah, and then it's the installer, right, who gives in the end the, the main recommendation because all of these re retired <laughs> different working profiles out out of also out of experience to whom do they turn if they need something they turn around and they either approach the electrician or the plumber they know for the last 10 years and this is then the guy who makes in the end the decision and they normally trust this person so clara what what are you seeing in the market because you mentioned at the beginning companies like Eon or Octopus, 1,5, there's NPAL. You know, are you seeing more and more companies, well, I guess quite a range of different types of companies, providing this sort of one-stop shop experience for customers? And do they seem to be doing well? Is it 
gathering momentum or is it still quite new and embryonic? I'd say maybe a bit of both. Um, it's definitely quite new, maybe not quite embryonic, but we, when we were looking into this, we, uh, we created a little timeline and we saw that kind of from late 2021, there seems to be boom might be a strong word, but definitely an, an uptick in, in companies who are increasingly profiling themselves as a type of one-stop shop. So like we've discussed, there, there are different ways that they can do this. We don't necessarily think that to be a one-stop shop, you need to sell directly to the end user. Like a lot of the manufacturers will still sell either, uh, you know, together with an energy retailer or or an installer. But there seems to be a definite kind of blurring of a sector lines. So the companies who used to sell only heating appliances are moving into PV and vice versa. Um, and adding energy retail as well. So if I go to a company like... Uh, and power the mobility house, I can buy my EV charger, I can buy my heat pump, I can buy my solar panel, and I can buy um, my retail, energy retail tariff as well. Yeah. So I think this is really hope- helping to open up the wider market. And so people like your mum, Sandra, who, <laughs> if you can make it simple and explain really simply and clearly how it works and why, why they are the best people to make it work then I imagine that's the sort of thing you have in mind when you think of your mom. Yeah. No, I, I think I think that's fully, fully true. Um, what I'm having a bit more in mind as well, if I take a bit of a different perspective, is, is the business model of these one-stop shops really sustainable or more, let's say, looking at how they try to make it sustainable? Because selling hardware is a one-time business. And then you see different kind of financial services, energy um, tariffs coming on top to make it a bit like a recurring business. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, for me, it's still unclear, you know, does the business model really work? I don't know, Clara, what, what your point of view is on that from the research perspective or... Well, we see kind of two ways that these companies are selling. So the first one would be bundling. So that would be, you know, like we were saying, the retired, well-off, probably energy engaged as well, uh, who are buying, you know, the full house solution all at once. That's a very small part of the market. The other way is is cross-selling. So that, that is the more continuous journey where, and of course, that will be a more continuous revenue as well, where they sell one appliance to begin with, and then the customer comes back to either buy more products. So let's say they start with PV, they they might come back to buy a heat pump or an EV charger or something else. They might get more uh, services, optimization, things like that. Um, And then eventually the, the cycle repeats itself, right? Like there's a, there's a, a lifetime for these products so they might need to get another heat pump in 15 years um so that's how it grows but we see yeah we see the opportunity for cross-selling being a lot bigger than that for bundling just because of the the limitations with the upfront cost potentially if like we were talking about before leasing models become more commonplace then that could be but it still becomes a, a fairly steep monthly cost if you're bundling pv heat pump and an ev charger even if you're paying that off over 15 years that's going to be a couple hundred pounds or euros or more uh, every month. So that's also going to be a, a barrier to to some still. Everyone wants that recurring revenue business model, don't they, Sandra? 
Yes, I think so. We are all working on it, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's finding ways of continuing to provide value to customers year on year on year in exchange for that subscription or uh, yearly fee or customer keeping buying more services. Yeah. Don't you guys think that it's when you are offering a long-term contracts, let's say on a 20-year basis, I always hear that the energy market is a very ungrateful market, right? Because uh, power prices change very rapidly and it depends on how well you did your PPAs. You may run, you may put yourself into dangerous positions, right? Like it happened now two years ago. Do you guys think there was going to be a risk in that sense when you provide a bundle also with energy included? I think it's about risk allocation. And I think it would be a very, very, very brave and probably foolish company that would take the energy price risk for the next 10 or 20 years uh, without having any ability to manage that. So yeah, I think I think that, that allocation of risks are probably okay to take technical and performance risk up to a point, maybe even able to take outcome risks, so heating the home to a certain temperature, probably willing to take some of the financing risk around the repayments because you can securitize that finance on different ways. But yeah, I think the market's still working out what balance of risks for different customer segments, a customer wants to take and what risks a customer doesn't take and commercially what risks can be taken away from the customer. But this is interesting that, that you are mentioning that because here in Switzerland, we actually saw one business model now coming up where um, uh, an importer of cars actually offers the charger, but also offers solar panels now because they bought a solar company. And now they give you a fixed price for your excessive energy, like for your feed-in tariff. And they give that, I think, for 10 years or longer. Quite interesting business model because then the risk really sits with that company, uh, depending on how the prices are going to change with regards to the, to the market. There might be a likelihood that they drop, right? And then they are sitting on this additional cost. But I think some of these companies are also happy to take that risk as a, let's say, marketing or market coverage cost, right? Just to get the foot in on the ground. But then in the long run, they, they might change. So I think to that risk allocation question, it's also probably a bit of a timing question on where you are in your business model setup. Well, it's getting to that time of the podcast where we'll need to bring out the talking new energy crystal ball. So uh, let's bring it out and set the dial this week to 2030, so some time away. Leonardo, Clara, by 2030, I think we'll have seen tens, many tens of millions of heat pumps, solar panels, batteries, EV chargers sold across uh, Europe, finding their way into homes. And many households will have two or three of these types of assets. So the question for both of you, putting yourself in 2030, and looking back at the last years, how will one-stop shops have grown and how important a role they play in decarbonizing European homes? Leonardo, do you want to go first and then Clara? Sure, I will give my chance. I will look into the crystal. It's a tough question. <laughs> it's a very tough question, very tough question. Uh, um, I hope and I think that one-stop shops will grow to a very large scale and that is already happening i think that they will be a very interesting channel beyond the other existing channels to 
disseminate and to you know put into the market all these products that are necessary for the energy transition i am curious to see how legacy distributors and wholesalers are going to react to this because that's a very big chunk of the market for us as OEMs right so yeah i think okay i will give a prediction i think for a common hvac business they will account for let's say 30% of the channel sales that we can expect in uh, in our distribution channel let's okay. say which is a yeah very a, big very big and a lot of a lot of growth over the next years in that channel yeah, yeah. yeah. clara how about you yeah well he kind of stole my answer there a little bit um you're allowed to think the same <laughs> no i i do think i'm not gonna be as brave and say an actual number uh but i do think that one-stop shops will be growing and we'll be taking market shares from the kind of tr more traditional routes to market and and um that customers will increasingly be be turning or getting their appliances from one-stop shops as opposed to kind of local installers which is quite common today not meaning that local installers will not be part of the system anymore but i think it will be a different it would be kind of being acquired by the one-stop shops or through partnership networks because i think the the local installer will still be very very important to the customer and i but i do think that the majority like the the bundling aspect will still be a relatively small share of the market unless someone comes up with a kind of magical business model that makes it affordable in a very interesting way which i'm what, to, to bundle everything together in one in one go yeah exactly so i think but by 2030 like you said there will have been uh, tens of millions of heat pumps and PV installed, and these people will be looking to install more. So who better to turn to than someone who successfully installed their first appliance? Great. Well, let's see how the next years pan out with uh, the growth and growth of one-stop shops. Clara, Leonardo, thanks both very much. It's been great talking with you both, and thanks for sharing your views. Sandra, what what's your feelings after that discussion? We've talked a bit about you and your mum and how you'd behave and buy different ways. So, uh, yeah, what's your take? So I think the business model as a one-stop shop will will for sure shape our future. And either by new players entering into the market, and we talked a bit around them, or by existing players developing into that direction, especially bringing that consumer perspective in. So this is, I think, a good news because finally we think more from the consumer perspective and less from how to push our stuff into the market, right? So, so this is, I think, really, really good. On the, what keeps me still a bit of food for thought is how will these business models be sustainable in the long run, especially because if you are opening up your field of operations to hardware, to financing, to um, energy services, energy tariffs, et cetera, this is really a broad field as a, one company to look at, right? It, it's possible, but I think it gives you quite some challenges in making the PNL as efficient as possible. So um, I, I'm looking forward, you know, to see on how the different players which are already in the market or stepping into the market are developing. And also in the long run, there will be the question on how they will differentiate from each other. Because at one point in time, it will be only, oh, I have the heat pump from manufacturer A and I have the heat pump from manufacturer B. But there must be more of a differentiation. And I'm not sure and I'm not hoping that we are only ending up on a price battle than in the end where it's all about 
who can give the press best price on hardware and who can give the best price on the energy bill. So there I'm, I'm curious to see what the future will bring in terms of will there be something new or different to, to be different than all the other ones that are emerging now? How, how would you see it? I share your thinking about the one-off sale. And if your business model is purely based on a one-off sale, well, everyone's hungry for that ongoing customer relationship and that recurring revenue stream or repeat revenue stream. And I think the market's still working out what that sort of value exchange of ongoing services in return for some recurring, that ongoing relationship, that recurring revenue, that two-way value exchange, what that actually is and how it works. And it's not like there's a lot of margin to play with in this business. So, yeah, I think from a customer point of view, I think one-stop shops are fantastic. And I love the way that the companies we've talked about today, mentioned today, are going about their business because it's really unlocking demand. But yeah, I, I share your views on, I think the business model is is work in progress, but it's brilliant that that's, that is work yeah. in progress because it, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's exciting, right? We, and uh, we, we are saying that so often, I think, during that podcast, but uh, but it's still true. It's It's an amazing area to work with, right? And it's an amazing area also on how we can shape all our energy future together. So uh, let's take that chance. Okay. Well, there's a rallying cry to everyone listening, whatever your role is in the energy transition. Uh, so we hope you enjoyed the episode and look forward to welcoming you back soon. Thanks and goodbye. Thank you very much. Thanks for tuning in. We are excited to bring you captivating conversations from the leading edge of Europe's energy transitions. If you've got suggestions for topics or guests for future episodes, please let us know. And if you're enjoying the podcast, then please do rate it and share it with colleagues. For show notes, transcripts and more, please visit lcpdelta.com.